Thanks for coming back. I spoke for an hour last time. <laughs> and some of you came back. I appreciate that. I'll try to keep it under probably about 58 minutes this time. So I'm glad you're here. I am so excited about what God is doing in this community, through this church. And we have this crazy idea that God has a vision uh, for us, singular, singularly, but us as a church, uh, as a community, to bring the communion that God has for each and every one of us into the world around us. And I'm excited about that. I get so excited because, like, it, it's not just something that's here. And this is a lot of times the danger, I think, that... I know I got stuck in when I grew up in the church. Um, it, it became something I, I, that was here but not really lived out. You, you know what I'm saying? And um, we, we had the privilege to have a funeral here uh, yesterday. And I was telling some people that it's free. This church has been given by God. And I'll never charge for people just to come in and use it. I never will. I don't care. I get to make the rules. I'm sorry, but it's true. You don't like it? Tough. It's a bad business model, I know. But, but I've had people come like AA and they go, well, how much are you going to charge for us as we meet with I said, nothing. And with the funerals or a wedding, like, nothing. This is not my place. This is God's place. This is God's house. And God never charges. And Jesus came to the, to the temple and he saw what was going on there. I mean, it was like movie popcorn to the 26th power, right? Wait, wait, I, I got a mortgage in my house? To, to pay for that? Yeah, that's right. You want to eat popcorn, don't you? You know, and, and, and Jesus came and he turned things over and he's like, no, my place is a, is a, my house is a place of prayer. And, and to me, that just makes sense. But then there's a part of me, again, where I go back to, but I got to walk it, right? I got to live it. And I go, Lord, we just spent quite a bit of money in lemonade and coffee and everything else. And, you know, that's... I mean, that's not free. I don't go to Smart and Final and they have the same model, right? <laughs> you know? Hey, I give, I give away free stuff to you. No, you don't? What? We're the only ones that do that? Oh, um, but you know, the, God does this, doesn't he? He just loves to push us to that point where we step out and all of a sudden, as the, um, the Levites were pushed into the Jordan River, as Israel was about ready to cross, God didn't part the rivers until they were knee deep. And there was probably a part of them where they're getting in there like, it's a little chilly. Any time now, you know, Moses is like, I'm going to look like a fool. You know, I said it would happen. And I'm standing out here and somebody comes in and he says, hey, God wants me to give. Here's some money. <laughs> and it was exactly what we needed for what we paid for that funeral. His name was Emmanuel, God with us. This is the second time he's given to this church just randomly. I don't even think he comes to this church, but why? Because God leads people, doesn't he? The, ca the cattle on a, 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 a thousand cattle on the hills, are, it's all God's. God owns everything. And when we step out and we get in that Jordan, we say, hey, we really do want to connect with the community. I want to make this a place where during the week we take out the chairs and people use this for something. I think some of the worst models for a church is, hey, we're here on Sunday, but then the place lays vacant. And there's a whole community out there that we're not connecting to that needs to see that Jesus cares and that we are not going to charge because Jesus' care is free. Amen? And, 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 well, it's free to us, but how much did he give? How much did he suffer as he died on that cross for you and me? And so it's simple to me that God wants to connect with the community around us and, and, and free of charge. Free charge. And if you're new here and you, this is your new, you know, this is your first time, don't feel obligated to give anything. God is doing amazing things here. 
But what I do say is, if you're coming and you want to give, give, give of your time, give of your heart to Christ. And those other things will start to become generous. As you see the generous love of God, you will see, and as we step out, you will see this generous love and this generous things just happening. And that's what I love to experience as we connect with Him. And, and then as we're growing in faith, I love to see the people signing up for the, um, you know, the grow groups and the different things with the roots class. We've got so many people starting to fill up the baptism sheet. I love that. Because that, to me, is awesome. We're, 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 I get the privilege of, of holding you under the water for a long time, you know? And some of you, like, I was held under for a long time because I, I needed it, you know? I was like, okay, anytime now, I can't breathe. Um, you know? But, but uh, I, I, I can't wait to see families baptizing, you know, dads baptizing their kids, husbands and wives baptizing each other. Because that's what it's about. How Jesus took this, uh, this dead dead sinful body and because of his death baptized in his death we're raised to life as jesus was raised to life and i'm so excited because in the next couple of weeks we're going to start our new series called risen and we're going to have some amazing times just looking at the life now that god has for us he wasn't risen so one day we will he he was risen so that we can be right now in the new life that God has around us. So I'm really excited about that. But lastly, how God serves us. And that's what we're looking at. I mean, David and Susanna, they have a heart for missions. They have a heart to serve. And, and I love that symbol just of the hands saying, you know what? They're there. <laughs> Use them. And God does. If we're faithful with what God's given us by just saying, I'm, I'm here, I'm willing, God will serve through us as God has served us. So I'm really excited about this. By the way, in Proverbs 29, it is biblical to cast vision because it says in Proverbs 29 that where there is no vision, the people perish, the people fall, the people die, the people uh, um, wallow away, you know. And so when we look at this, I think there's a key core to who we are where we say, what am I here for? What am I to do? You get what I mean by that? Like, have you ever just kind of sat there and go, okay, now what? (laughs) I love young adults because I think they get through this time of compulsory education where they have to go to school and then they, then all of a sudden we kick them out and say, hey, you're a man or you're a woman and then they go, now what? (laughs) What am I here for? What am I to do? And, and, and honestly, I believe we get to that point too. Maybe some of you have been married for 15, 20 years or, or you're going through just life and experiences and, and, and you're like, okay, I'm kind of hitting this crisis. I don't know what to do. Do I go out and skydive or buy a Harley? <laughs> or what? I don't know. I just, I, angst, vision, what is my purpose? What do I do? You see, the saddest thing to me is that model of church today which we find most churches stuck in which is out of a out of a hundred percent of the people that are attendees to a church 20 percent do a hundred percent of the work while the 80 percent sit and what that tells me is we have a consumer based mentality even in our church and so what we have is we have a, a, a show and entertain me and, and, and if you're good, maybe I'll give or maybe I'll help. And, but I just kind of want to receive, receive, receive. And 20% doing all that work burns out the 20%. And you have 80% who sit on the sidelines. And Christianity is not a spectator sport. God does not call us to be a fan. 
Fans can get excited, right? I, I love sports fans because they're cuckoo. <laughs> they're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, right? I mean, just a little bit, right? Yeah, go! But but there's a difference between being a fan and being excited and knowing all the stuff. And there's a di- where you get to the point where you're a player. And, and it's one thing to know all the stuff. And it's another thing to get on the field. And God wants us on the field. God sent His Son to go forward and show us how to play and show us how to live. That's what I want. That's what we hope for. This is why our tagline is every member has a mission. We honestly believe it. And I don't want just a hundred people at church. I want a hundred people serving. Because that to me is what's going to show the world outside that there's a difference. Because the world outside needs to see the love of Jesus. I... As we sat here, I was able to, to talk. I mean, yesterday that we had that funeral, as I said, and there's so many people there that just go, why? Why? I don't understand. I don't have a purpose. I'm languishing away. And why did this happen? And, and, and what those people need is for 100% Christians to step up and say, I'm with you. Let's walk. Let me help you. And I love to hear the stories of what's happening. And people are talking to other people saying, I've actually heard stories of people saying, I have, I, I know people that have said, I want to come to your church because all you do is talk about it and it sounds amazing. I love that. Because it ain't me. <laughs> it's probably Jason and the crew up here. They're awesome. But God's doing something. I mean, why would people just randomly show up and say, God told me to give to your church? Because God's at work. God wants to do things here. And I love it. We're going to look at a passage today which scares the heck out of me. I was tempted to wear my brown pants today. (laughs) If you got that, that's okay. If you didn't, you're above me, that's fine. Remember, I work with junior hires a lot. But the truth is, this passage scares me because it's not a parable. It's not a story. It's not where Jesus says, hey, gather around. Let me tell you about something that, that, um, that will remind you of or which is reminiscent of. Or No, he says, let me tell you what's going to happen. Let me tell you a future event in history that hasn't happened yet. And what we see is in Matthew 25, of which we're going to look at, we see how God separates the sheep and the goats. And it's a scary, scary thing. But in that, there's, there's not a lot of understanding because not a lot of you milk your goats today, right? Some of you, I, I've had the privilege of having a goat for about a week. It was the scariest thing in the world. <laughs> Some of you have heard me tell that story because I thought the goat was going to be one of these little things and it was about 280 pounds and it was like that tall and had horns and almost killed me. And I said, no more goats. <laughs> no more goats. But we, we have this crazy thing where God says, if you are my disciple... You're going to live my vision. You're not only going to hear it, you're not only going to receive it into your brain, but you're going to live it out in your hands and in your feet and in the way you talk and the way you walk and everything in between. As I've said, it's not a spectator sport. We're not called to be fans. And we see this in what Jesus is doing. And this is like the, one of the last things, the final thing that Jesus really tells his disciples before he goes to the cross. Because he wants to remind them that, hey, this is the future of everybody. And I really need to put this into parentheses, life. And that's what a good vision does. It puts everything into parentheses, doesn't it? It sums it up. And not like something we can put on a bumper sticker. Because this is not bumper sticker theology here. This is just, I'm a sheep. 
And I need to know my shepherd's voice. And I want to go. And I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of times I sit here and I go, God, I don't know what to do. But wait, aren't you getting paid the big, big bucks, Chris? No, no. <laughs> but, but, but Chris, aren't you the pastor? That, yeah, yeah. You guys got ideas, let me know. Because I'm waiting on God to say, go here, go there, do this. I don't want to do it my own. I want to go with the vision that God gives us. Because I want to hear the shepherd. Because I'm just a sheep, just like you. So let's go ahead and look at this. Matthew chapter 25. Because next week, by the way, I'm ordaining every one of you. Get ready. I hope you're here next week. I, I, I love the fact, and some of you are, might get miffed by that, because you're like, I, I'm not a pastor. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Every member has a mission. And next week, I, I'm, I have the privilege of ordaining you, because it's not just Jason and I that are called pastors here, and I can't do it all. And so what I'm excited about in this passage is I want you to come back next week as we look through this, as you can see that you are a pastor. You are called by God to serve the world around you. And I can't do that on my own. I don't get paid to pastor people where you are paid to pastor people. You see, I have to be purposeful about going outside and and meeting non-Christians and meeting people that don't know the vision that God has for them. I have to be purposeful about that. You get paid to do it. Some of you get paid to do it at schools. Some of you get paid to do it at Starbucks. Some of you get paid to do it with ambulances and hospitals and wherever you are, you get paid to go out there and be a light. That's what pastors do. They listen to the shepherd. And they talk to the sheep. That's what I'm hoping. That's what I want to see. And so don't miss next week because it's the culmination of this whole vision. You are ordained, consecrated before God to be pastors that God wants you to be. Not perfect. All you got to do is live with me for a week and know that I'm not perfect too. (laughs) Believe me. But God wants to ordain you for a purpose and the passion that he's placed in your heart. So, let everybody rise up. Matthew 25. Here, if you're new here, I apologize if you're not used to standing, but we stand in reverence of God's word just as we read it. It helps me to focus. (laughs) Of course, I stand the whole time, but again, I get paid the big bucks, so. All right, Matthew 25, verse 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Heck, heck, I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you even came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, "Uh, Lord, (laughs) when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? Uh, When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothes you? And and when did we see you in prison and go to visit you? Now the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Oh. But then the king will reply, Oh, I'm sorry. Then he said for those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing. 
I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me in. I needed clothes and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and, and you didn't look after me. But they will also answer, Lord, when, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you didn't do it for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. All right, you may be seated. So some of you are like, hot joy today, huh? What a passage. Praise the Lord. No, man, this, I don't know about you. Again, this is, this is scary stuff. This is hardcore stuff. And I read this and I get scared. And I don't think if you have, a, if you have an appropriate view of God here, if you are looking at God as the, as the king of all the universe, we need to sit up and take notice. And I think as Jesus was telling his disciples these things, as he gathered around them, he's telling them all these things, all these parables. Then he gets to this last part and they're like, Oh, you could probably see their nails were all bitten down to the nub after this. Because he's not just saying this is another story. This is a future event. This is serious. Jesus just got serious. Service is not optional. That's what I want to say here. It is discipleship. You see, service is not optional. It is discipleship. You see, we believe in our, in our structure as we have connect, grow, serve. It's really a reciprocal thing. It's like the recycle aspect of where it comes around and it's, it's an eternal. It's like a circle, like the ring and what it represents in a marriage. It's eternal. It's forever. It doesn't stop. There's no beginning. There's no end. As we connect and grow and serve, it comes back and it's continual. And what we're saying here is that service is just discipleship, just like grow, just like connect. And it's all there, but it's not optional. This is what it is. See, as I said, Jesus was telling all of these things about the end of days. And then he gets to a point where he says, now this is actually what's going to happen. And the disciples take notice. You see, life is a prologue to the real story, which is eternity. And what we do here dictates the book for eternity. Jesus is coming back. And this is where we find ourselves. This is the future history. See, the Son of Man is Jesus' favorite word. If, if some of you are confused, it's okay, I was too. I'm like, okay, so Jesus is talking about who now? Who's the son of this man? You know, is this Jim or is this Bob? I don't know. Who is this? No, if you see that he's talking to good Jewish boys and good Jewish boys, they kind of knew their Torah. They knew their scripture. And, and what we have in Daniel chapter seven is very much what we have a lot in the Old Testament where the Messiah, the Messiah, the, the Christos, as it would have been said in Greek, was known as the son of man. This is the one that was to come and relieve Israel from the pain and the suffering. And what we have so much is the Son of Man is used as, and we're going to look at this next week, that the idea of as the Jews were released from slavery, so mankind will be redeemed from the sin or slavery of sin. And the Son of Man, God would come and do this. And so what's interesting is Jesus is very much just putting the parentheses around his life, saying, remember what was said in Daniel chapter 7? See, we have Daniel 7 here. If you guys are looking at this, in my vision at night I looked, and this is Daniel, and he's foreseeing this thousands of years before it were to happen. 
And there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days. The ancient of days is God the Father. And was led into his present. Now, this is big. He was given, verse 14, all authority, all glory, and all sovereign power. All nations and all peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And so when Jesus says, I'm the son of man, he's linking himself to what? To God. And for a Jewish boy, you don't do that. That's an instant stoning. And not the good kind. Sorry. The, the, the thing for the Jews was to, who gets the first hit on the noggin? You crack that dome first and you're, you get the prize. Because they went for the head first. And if you likened yourself to God, especially I'm the son of man, that's when the people started grabbing stones saying, who is this guy? He was born a poor kid. He's just like you and me. Oh, yeah, he is. 100% man. That's what I love about Jesus. God with us. And yet 100% God. See, the ancients of days in Isaiah 42 says, I don't share my glory with anybody. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, it also says, there is one God, that's it. One God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, the great Shammai. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Achad, one. Right? And we know this. So who is this guy who's saying, I'm God? And, and, all power. Wait, that's God's. Mm-hmm. All. All. And I will accept worship from all people. But see, Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus did it. Because Jesus is. He is the great I am. And this is what will happen. And so I really hope that you get this because what is amazing is as he's sitting there with his, his peeps, so to speak, right? As his, as his disciples who are fishermen and zealots and tax collectors and just normal average people, he's sitting with them. And the idea of sitting with somebody who's also 100% man, I think sometimes we lose the fact that he's also 100% God. And they're sitting with him and he says, by the way, I'm coming back and everything, everything is mine. And when I come back, it's not going to be as a baby in a manger to poor teenagers. I'm coming back in power and in glory because I'm God. And guess what? You see everything before you? You are made of those atoms and molecules and quarks and anacron, everything. Dark matter, good matter, I don't know, I'm not a physicist, but everything, right? It's mine. It's mine. And this is what I'm telling you. I'm the judge. I'm the jury. I'm it. See, I argue a lot with my kids. Actually, let me put that another way around. They argue with me. Some of you have been there. Hey, guys, I got an idea. Go do your chores. Oh, but I don't know. It's like, really? By the way, this is my house, and I'm sitting on the chair of all power in my house. And you want to argue with me? That's not a good idea. (laughs) It's not a good idea. Because I got a paddle with your butt prints on it. And I know how to use it. Oh, my kids are great. I love my kids. Trust me, and I don't don't call social services. But but the truth is, that's my house. And some of you have been in that argument. Hey, this is my house. I'm in charge. I'm dad, or I'm mom, and you're going to listen to what I say because I said it. Because I care for you, and I know more than you, and I'm actually maybe a little smarter than you sometimes. 
but I have a plan for you. You see, and here's Jesus, who 100% man, you but 100% God, and sits, comes back and he's on that throne and says, I own everything. I'm the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And yes, I earned it because I'm him. And I will sit and I know what I'm saying and I know what you need to do. This is why they listen. And this is why we should sit up and listen. Because he earned the right when he came and did what he did and sacrificed his life and redeemed Israel. He redeemed you. And he wants to sit on the chair of your life. This discipleship, doing what Jesus says to do. Right? Doing what Jesus says to do. Follow God. That's it. What's interesting is in verse 32, we see Jesus as the great shepherd separating the whole of mankind. He called himself the shepherd. Shepherding is a dirty job. And I know, like I said earlier, some of you haven't milked goats today, so you don't really know what's going on with goats and sheep. But I'll say this, in the Middle East, goat and sheep, they, they, they basically look the same. Sheep and goats, they're very similar. There's not a lot of difference. In fact, if, I, if they were back there, just that far, it, it, by the sound booth, and I'm looking, I, I, a normal person, even somebody who really knows sheep and goats, you couldn't really tell, oh, is that, is that a sheep or is that a goat? Okay? But when you get close and you're up in the midst of them, as the shepherd was, because the shepherd didn't sit back and go, hey, sheep, go that way. I'm going to sit here and drink cocktail. <laughs> no. Or, hey, do this and listen. I'm yelling, but you can't hear me. No. The shepherd is right in the middle of them, getting the, like, stepping in it, because that's just what animals do. Goats especially, they're disgusting. <laughs> and, and they're in it, and they smell like them. This is why most places would not allow shepherds in their midst, because they stunk. You see, Jesus stinks of you. This is the only God, people, the true God, the real God, that has our stink on Him and He took it gladly because He knows His sheep and they know Him and they hear His voice. And He could rightly judge, oh, you hear, you hear, because He knows you. This is what I love about God. This is what I love about God with us walking amongst us, serving us, showing us the vision of the Father. What's interesting is he says in that next verse, come all of you who are blessed by my Father. That word come to me or come is the same word he uses of the disciples. It's the same word when he, when he goes to his disciples who are just in the midst of all their life and not perfect. Believe me, they're not perfect. And he says, hey, you, come, follow me. Come and be blessed. He uses this word continually with his disciples. Come, come. As he moves forward, he says, I'm here and I want you here. I want you with me. This is the word and voice of the shepherd. And my hope is that you are hearing that. This is why we want to connect with you. This is why we want to grow with you. And this is why we want you to serve or be served by Jesus. If you haven't heard the voice of the shepherd, please hear it now. And it ain't me. It's God. And he says, come. To me, all who are weary and heavy laden, who have so much burdens and are tired of this world and tired of the junk and tired of blowing it and tired of messing up and tired of being let down and tired of being dumped and tired of being lonely and tired of all that. You've got that weight. Come to me. This is the shepherd who comes first and says, now I'm here. Come. And he says the same thing at the end to those that listened. Please know it's nothing special. If you're a Christian, you're just as messed up as everybody else. Guilty. 
Been there, done that, still there, got the t-shirt. Thank you, Jason. I'm going to use that phrase until it's dead. But it's true. The only difference between you is that you said, I hear you, God. Can you, can you pull me over? That's it. We breathe the same air. We live in the same streets. We watch the same shows. We are who we are. Broken people. But we've said, I, I hear you. I need you. I want to come. Jesus always moves first. And it's about our response. And this is how God separates. And He doesn't separate because He's so happy to finally get rid of these people. But He separates because God can't endure injustice and wrongs and sin and selfishness and neglect and all these things around Him because He's holy and He calls for something more. And I know we look at this as a future event, for, but please hear me. There are many people who are in hell right now. We know that there's a hell to come, but please understand, there is a hell right now, and I've lived it, and it's hot, and it's stanky, and I'm so glad I'm out of it, but I see people every day, and I say, please, let me help you and show you heaven. Because this isn't pie in the sky. This is right now, and I want to serve as Jesus has served me. And I want to give as Jesus gave to me. Now, what's interesting here is in verse 34 through 36 is you see these six things that God really puts. And I've put it in your notes here just to kind of... And I actually got this from another pastor that I listened to and he just put this so perfectly I stole it from him. He's going to sue me, but that's okay. So it says this, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. Right? And he says, For I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was a stranger and clothes and sick and in prison. We have three categories here, really. And what it comes down to is these six things are three considerations Considerations or basic considerations. One is feeding. If you're going to fill that in, just feeding. This is hungry and thirsty. This is basic needs. This is like, oh, you know what? I've got a whole sandwich in half. Here you go. That's it. Oh, I got a full jar of water. You're thirsty? Here, let me give you what I got. Simple, right? That's it. Basic needs. First step. Second, sheltering. Oh, you know what? I've got a closet. And since I'm an average American woman, I have about 8,000 shoes. Sorry. I love being a guy. I don't have to match with my shoes and have 800 pairs to match. And I'm glad of that. Of course, I probably look horrible, and I'm sorry, ladies. I've offended you with my not matching in shoes and whatnot. But, but maybe this is something is saying, I have all these shoes, and you don't have shoes. That's it. Well, I've, I've got some clothes. I've got extra clothes. One of the greatest stories is, I, I was so privileged to work with kids. Some people say, how did you do it? I said, why not? I love kids. And I remember being in San Francisco with YWAM. Didn't meet any Swedish people, though. That was a weird thing. <laughs> but you know what? It was awesome, because I had kids there. And, and there was this lady that was just, she was obviously dementia. Somebody's grandma. Nobody, nobody took care of her. <laughs> she was in a bathrobe and nothing else on underneath it. And every now and then she would kind of accidentally just open it up. Here's all these youth kids. And there's people doing crack and selling crack. And, and here's somebody's grandma who nobody cares about, not even wearing shoes. And one of my youth kids says, hey, goes up to her, puts her, his arm around her and says, I've got shoes, you want my shoes? Takes off his shoes and gives it to her. And he walked around in the needles and the, without shoes on. 
course, as soon as I saw that, I said, we're getting you back, get some shoes on. But that was simple. And yet, how deep and profound. That changed my world, people. That rocked it. Last, if we've got feeding, we've got sheltering, we've got remembering. Simple. Sick and in prison. Some of the loneliest people I've ever met are wasting away in a hospital bed. If you've ever had the privilege, and I say this sarcastically, of hanging out in the hospital and you're not working there because you're just languishing away, it's a very lonely place. And I'll tell you right now, prison, because I was almost there a bunch of times and I sat in certain places that were prison. (laughs) I wasn't in there, but I've talked to kids that were, and I should have been there. I was almost taken there. I was in a lot of cop cars. I don't know why I didn't go. But I remember that was the loneliest place in the world for me at that time. And when they shut that door, you see, these are basic. What I said here was all of these aspects of service really boil down to caring, don't they? They they, they just say, I'm a Christian. Jesus cared for me. I'm going to care for you. And and you know what I love about these things? (laughs) These are doable. These are really doable. I mean, he didn't say, uh, for those of you that gave $10 million away, blessed are you. Blessed are you. Hey, for those of you that wrote that best-selling book that convinced a bunch of people that I'm God, right there with you. Oh, yeah. For those of you that wandered into the jungle on purpose and converted whole tribes to Christianity, right on. Right on. I'm with you. No. Wait, wait, you had a sandwich, you split it in half? Hot dog, that's what I'm looking for. (laughs) You had an extra shoe and you gave it away? This is doable, people. This is easy. But isn't love simple? It's caring on a micro level. And this blows out of the water so many people that I meet and I say, are you getting up and doing something? And they go, but it's so huge and there's so much and poverty. I mean, who can get rid of it? And I remember sitting there talking with so many people and I got tired of talking and I said, but I can go out and serve one. Why do you think Mother Teresa did what she did? Because she said, I can't do big acts, but I can hold one leper as they die. And look what happened in her life and look what can happen in yours. I remember coming back from YWAM saying, man, when it comes down to it, the the, the homelessness, I mean, 20,000 people around us, I don't know what to do, but I do know that there are homeless people around me. And so we just got our little group together and it was the craziest thing. And I love telling this story because it's nuts and I can't believe I did it, but I love it. Because God did it through us. And all we did was drive around and we see homeless people walking around. We'd be like, hey, as we're riding in the car and we had some food and they're like, oh no, you know, they're running from us because they're like, who are these guys? Because homeless people are scared of, of, of people like me. I'm scared of people like me. I mean, honest, you should be scared. But I'm a little passionate. But, but, but the point is, like, we're, we're like, hey, we got some food for you. And then they realized we weren't crazy and we didn't want to steal their organs. So they were like, hey, okay, so yeah, we, we, here, we got food and can we sit with you? And they're like, why? Why, why do you want to? Because we care. Because we care. Then we found out where they congregated and where they lived most of the time. And we, we come in and we say, hey, can we, can we have a Bible study with you? Wait, wait, you want to have a Bible study with us? Yeah. I just, want to sh- I just want to share God's Word with you. I love God's Word. Do you love God's Word? Well, I don't really, go- really know God's Word, but I love God. Then let's talk about it. It's caring. It's simple. It's easy. It's easy. 
doable by anyone. See, today we could easily say, you know, if we heard the words of Jesus over today in our culture, we, he might say, I was in an elderly care facility and I was languishing away and I had nobody and I was depressed and if I could have, I would have killed myself because that's how depressed I was. And you came and you visited me. I was HIV positive. And most of the world just looked at me like I was an anathema, like I was a disease that was going to get them sick. But you came by and you dropped food. And you said, do you have any prayer requests? Can I put my arm on you and pray for you? I was alone at lunch. And I was one of those kids that nobody cared about. In fact, I was the kid that would get pushed out of the way. And I sat at lunch alone because nobody wanted to be with me. And you came by and you put your arm around me, but not in a creepy way, but in a good way. It said, come on with us. Come on. We're talking about something right now. You want to come join our group? We're weird, but we love Jesus. We care. You see, I love this word, least. And we're going to talk about it in a second. But this is truly caring for those that no one notices. And no one sees. And what I love about this passage is the sheep are surprised. Do you get that? I mean, the sheep are surprised. You think they would know if they were serving Jesus, right? Holy, holy poop. It's Jesus. Watch out. And I don't mean to offend you, but I would say that right now. If I saw Jesus walk to, he's here. Woohoo! You know, party, I'm going to serve him. But they don't even know it. See, the sheep are surprised. Lord, when, when did we see you? These are the emphatics in the Greek. This is like utter shock. This is after they picked up their mouth and they put it back. When did we? When did you? You? Ah! They're completely in awe. First of all, because we know that real service to Jesus, it's not big. And so they don't look back and they go, man, when I saved all those thousands of people like we talked about. No, they're just shocked because they didn't even know. But secondly, the righteous don't deserve or do service because in order to be called righteous. They don't do it because they deserve it. So if you're taking notes, just write this down. The, the righteous didn't do these service things in order to be called righteous. They didn't do it in order to be called righteous. They did them because they were righteous. That should blow us out of the water. I knew people that said, you see that window over there? The stained glass one? I donated $100,000 and I got that put in. I'm going to heaven. No. No. See, these guys are shocked. Because they didn't even know they were doing it. Because it's just who they were. They didn't know they were serving Jesus. Because they were just serving. It was discipleship. It wasn't optional. They love God, and so that love in God, the great commandment of love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, this is where it works out, and then love others the same. It's just the litmus test. You see, and he's not telling these people really anything different, but he is saying, hey, by the way, it was me. They're not doing it to get an attaboy or an girl, right? They're not doing it so that, 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 that like, okay, well, like Kim and I, all right? My, I, I love my wife, and sometimes I'll do something for her, and I want her to know that I did something for her. Maybe you're like me. And I'm kind of, hey, guess what I did? Because I'm great, right? Some of you are with me. Come on, guys. You like, you want to, I love getting praise. That's my kind of my, my, um, 
love language, I guess you could say. I love it when people say, hey, you did great, or I appreciate you, or, you know, thank you, and, and they just, I love that. So I have to be careful, because I don't want to, I don't want to make my life about that. But when my wife says, hey, I saw what you did, and that was awesome. And so sometimes I try to jump that, you know, jump start that, put the jumper cables on that conversation. Let's get this thing going. Come on, you know, and I do that. But honestly, it's not organic and it's not, you know, it's kind of like, hey, it's my birthday, Facebook. Why don't you tell me? And some people go, I got 120 likes. Oh, good for you. Atta boy, atta girl. But they were, they were shocked because they didn't do it for that. So why does caring matter so much to God? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, as I said, this is alahistos, okay? This is this great word which means literally the most trivial thing. It's as if you walk into a room and it's all clean, but you see this tiny little speck on the ground. That's the alastos. Nobody really notices it. And if you're kids and you're trying to clean up your house, your parents notice it, but you never do, right? Because <laughs> kids never notice it. Or it's the husband that goes in and says, where is that one thing in the fridge? Like me, and I can never find it, but for some reason wives just know where it's at. And I, well, Alastos, it's the trivial thing. that you, It's like, I can't, I can never, I can't get my eyes and attention on it. What is it? See, God cares about the most trivial thing. He cares. No one is trivial in God's eyes. All are priceless and worth his time and attention. And we're, we're going to get the privilege a little later to go through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, don't I care for you more than the, than the birds of the air? And look how well they're fed every day. I care for you. I know every hair on your head. Because even though you feel trivial, you're not trivial to me. You're not a lastos. And Jesus says, when you did it for these, you did it for me. See, if your love for God does not work out in your love for others, then you've missed it. Let me just say that again. If your love for God doesn't work out in your love for others, then you've missed it. Again, it's the great commandment. That's it. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and love others equally. And if you don't, it's like what John talks about in the book of John. First John, he says, hey... Um, so you say that you love God, but then look at how you're treating others. You don't love God. It's that simple. If you are a sheep, then you care. And discipleship is not optional. See, if you're lo not loving and caring on down and outers, then you aren't loving Jesus. If you're not loving and caring on the punk teenagers, you're not loving Jesus. If you're not loving and caring on the homeless you bump into daily, then you're not loving Jesus. It's simple, but it's effective. It's who you see that are trivial. And God says, if you care, you will. If you don't, you won't. Our love for God should always work out in our care for others. And this isn't perfect. This isn't... Huge. Again, I hope you get that. This is so simple. But our love for God should always work out in our care for others. When it doesn't, then instead of come to me, it's the, the hardest part of this passage, go. Go. It's two simple words in the Greek, but one is, hey, I want you, but if you don't want me, go. Because Jesus says, I'm there and you didn't want me. You see, I was in that person that you just stayed away from and I wanted to see you. I wanted to see you and you didn't, so go.
It's what you want. You don't want me, so go. See, he is not drawn in by big deeds, but caring dedication. See, in Matthew chapter 7, this is a great passage because what this does is this shows us big deeds, but not caring dedication. In Matthew 7, 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, not everyone who says, Hey, 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 what about me? What about me? will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. The will of the Father is simple caring. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did not we not prophesy in your name? That's huge. Anybody prophecy here? I don't, I've never really prophesied. That's a big deed. But he says, guess what? Not everyone who does or drives out demons in your name. Whoo, boy. Driving out demons. That sounds like fun. Where do I sign up? I want to do a big deed. Or how about this one? Perform many miracles. Anybody a miracle worker in here? <laughs> people are drawn to those people. Those are big deeds. But what's the point? He says, even if you do these, which are big, but you don't have caring dedication as a disciple, then I will tell them plainly, go, I never knew you. Away from me. You who don't care about doing good with what I've given. See, this same shock comes to the goats because to some extent they go, where were you? Because if we would have known you were there, we would have done something, Jesus. That's the point. That's the point. But Jesus, if I knew you were there, I would have done something. I would have done it because I want to get the points. You missed it. You missed it. This is what I love about God. You can't fool Him. Being a Christian is not a spectator sport. You've got to just jump in the game. And whether you have the talents of ten or the talents of one, God knows and He gives it to you. Moses had to choose leaders and some of them were leaders of ten, but some of them were leaders of five hundred. So, they were all leaders. And they all did what God called them to do. So what now? See, the good news is you kind of know what's coming. That's the truth. This is God. He owns it all. It's coming. Discipleship is easy. But you know what's even easier? I'll just walk on by. I got a really nice lazy boy at home and I'd rather sit in it. So would I. There are a lot of times I don't want to do things because it's so much easier not to. I don't do it because I want to be righteous. I, I, I do it because I go, God, I need you so bad and I just want to be with you. Because right now, if I'm honest, when I'm with myself, it's not happening. It's not working. I just, I let myself down all the time and I feel like a slug. And I don't want to be a slug. I, 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 I want to be out there in the game. And I don't want to sit here and go rah, rah, rah. I want to join it. And so many people I've seen that when they are, they become a Christian, they go, this is awesome. But then they start sitting back and they go, yeah, but I don't hear God much. Yeah, but I just don't, I, I don't feel this or I don't feel that. And I, I look at where they're at way up in the nosebleed section. And I say, have you thought about coming down here? Have you thought about playing the game? Living life? Following God where He's going? Because He's going this way and you're sitting and you know all the facts. You've got all the songs down. You, uh, you give to Air One. But we're here. Do, do you get it? I mean, to me it's simple, but man is it hard to play. Man is it hard to be in that thing. But that's...
That's where Jesus is. And here at the mission, I'm sorry if you've come and this is your first time and you're like, I can't wait to get into a place where nothing is expected of me and I don't got to do anything. There are a lot of other churches that will do that with you. But here at the mission, everybody has a mission. And, and if you're not a believer, please understand, we don't expect you to do believer things. That's foolish. But we do say that the Son of God is calling you, and He wants you, and He wants to be with you, and He wants to roll where He rolls, and He wants you to be by His side, and He wants to put His arm around you and carry you when you can't walk because you sprained your ankle from living the life that God has called you to, and He picks you up, and He'll take you over that line, but you can't do it without Him. Don't be tempted to sit on the sidelines. And they're simple things, right? Simple. I'm so excited because I'm going to be talking with Dr. Craig Turley from the Blessing Center. And they've got so many cool things that they're going to do. And they, I talked to a lady and she's like, we serve 900 families on, on Wednesday and, and Monday and Saturday. Which one do you guys want? I'm like, all of them. Because <laughs> that's just me. But, but I'm like, I want to help. And I want to go. And I'll go. I used to go with the homeless and I would have sign-up sheets. And I had 100 kids in my group. And they'd be there and I'd get two people. And I would say, I don't care because I'm going. I'm going. And I don't do that because I have to. I do that because I love them and I want to care. But I really want to see you guys there. Let's play. Let's do this right. Let's live life together. Some of you might not be able to donate your time. I understand that. Some of you say, I can't lift stuff. I can't go. But maybe you can donate. You dig a closet offering. Maybe you've got stuff and they need clothes. And you've got too many. Praise the Lord. Then give it away. It's better to give than to receive. Some of you don't have time and everything else, but maybe you've got a little bit here that you can do or there, and we've got so many things that we're signing up for. And honestly, that's it. You guys go out there and you might get overwhelmed, and I know Jason and I were talking about it, and it's a little overwhelming. You see all these sign-up sheets, but by the way, you're coming here in 10 years, let's fast forward, you're going to only see those sign-up sheets. That's it. That's all we do. Because we're purposeful. That's it. But God hasn't called us to do a thousand things. He's called us to do that one thing. Amen? Amen. I want to read you a story, and I'm sorry I went over, but this is a great story, and I love this story. And so can you, maybe you're like me, and I just like to close my eyes, and I, I can see it, but it's up to you. This is a story of Telemachus. Telemachus is just one of them crazy followers of Jesus who was like, I want to go where God's telling me to go. I want to jump in this thing. I don't want to be a spectator. Telemachus was a Christian monk that in, in 391 AD, he went on a pilgrimage to Rome. He just felt God was calling him to go to Rome, just kind of put one foot in front of the other, and, and he went and did what God called him to do. And, and he noticed these crowds that were flocking towards this huge thing that today we call the Colosseum. And he went in there because he's like, what's going on? You know, and he's just this monk kind of wandering around like, hey, how you doing? And he goes in and he gets swept up in the crowd and it's, you know, he's just Telemachus, right? He goes in and then he sees things that repulsed him to no end. He saw people murdering each other and people going, yeah, and betting on it and laughing and, and, and drinking and eating and just revelry in this bloodbath that we now know as the gladiatorial games that had been going on for over 500 years in Rome, an emperor Honorus was celebrating his triumph over the Goths. Because that's what you did. When you won, you came back and killed more people. And a lot of times you took those prisoners from war, the Goths, you put them together and you said, fight. Whoever lives, maybe you'll get your freedom. Boy, you talk about a bloodbath. 
spears and swords. A lot of times they'd take lions and they'd put them in there. Wild lions I hadn't eaten for like weeks. Who will live? Who will die? The dead were dragged from the arena. Blood on the sand. The crowd watched with excitement as they sought to outdo each other. When a gladiator was wounded, his opponent would loom over him, waiting for the crowd's verdict, yay or nay. So great was the bloodlust that at times wealthier spectators would climb down to get a better view of the execution. Telemachus watched with horror as people died. Battles raged and crowds cheered, prompted into action. This bald-headed figure kept shouting, Stop this in the name of Jesus! It's wrong! Stop! Of course, you couldn't really be heard in the 50,000 spectators. So he just did what any person would do. He just ran down in the middle of the gladiators who were fighting in blood everywhere. That's what Telemachus did. And he exhorted the two gladiators to stop in the name of Jesus. That's all he said. Stop. Stop. Don't do this in the name of Jesus. Now, you can understand, the crowd was really upset. Who is this little bald guy down here in robes? Those crazy monks. Kill him! Kill him! Angry voices drowned out Telemachus, demanding that the spectacle continue. The gladiators prepared to do battle again, but Telemachus stood between them, holding them apart, urging them to reconsider, driven by the anger of the crowd as he screamed, Stop in the name of Jesus. Their rage for his interference outweighed his love for Jesus at that moment and gladiators cut Telemachus to the ground. Telemachus was killed. And as he died, it's recorded in the Fox's Book of Martyrs because this is history, people. He kept saying, stop in the name of Jesus. You can't get simpler than that. But look at the cost. But history dictates, and we can read it today, open your history books, the games were stopped by Honorarius shortly after. Never to be played again in Rome. Simple deeds. But Jesus was there. And Telemachus just said, Stop. For Jesus' sake. Let's pray. Lord, it doesn't take much to care, but it'll be huge for those that are dying around us. I love these simple stories of, of saints because it's simple. And as le- next week, as we, we, I want to get everybody to their feet and say, Lord, I just ordain and consecrate my brothers and sisters who are not perfect, who are screwed up, but you have given them feet to go outside. You have given them hands to lift people up. You are working through them. And Lord, there's so much hell around us. You just want us to say, stop in the name of Jesus and put up our arms and put them around those in the midst of the hell that they are creating. Lord, it's simple. It's easy. But it means we got to get up and we got to go. But Lord, that's where you're calling from. You're not sitting pretty and comfortable. You're in the gutter 
Because it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. And so, Lord, I pray that we're able to just go to the sick. We hear your voice and we respond. Lord, I pray right now, if there's brothers and sisters here that just need to commit to you, that they say, I am your child, but I've never received it. Lord, they would do that. They would say, today is the day that I choose heaven. Today is the day that I bring new life into my life because that's where God wants it. Because He loves me. And you feel the conviction which the Holy Spirit is at work and moved towards you first. I pray that they would stick around and we would chat. Because I want to pray for them. I want there to be a party in heaven as they know they are redeemed and you want them to go. Not away from them, but now running towards you as you've said come. Lord, we just bless you and we thank you Help us to be a church that grasps your vision in such a way that Redlands is blown away. That this world around us is like, you guys at the mission are nuts. You're everywhere. Amen. You even talk to me. Praise the Lord. I know Jesus. Because you got off the spectator seat and got down on the field. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.